Black Doctors Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. This week, we're going to continue on the conversation that, or the topic at least, that we started last week. Last week, we heard from student Dr. Veronica Mize and Dr. Lovanani. Uh, Dr. Mize is the 60th president of the Student National Medical Association. She's a fourth year medical student. Dr. Lovanani is an emergency medicine physician practicing in Tennessee, a graduate of Howard University, and currently works on the board of SMA. He's a good friend to the show, has been on uh, multiple times before, and together the two of them shed some incredible light on the history of the Student National Medical Association. The SNMA has been around for going on 60 years now, and we talked about the history, why the organization was initially started, what it means to so many underrepresented minority medical students and pre-med students even, and all the different outreach uh, programs that the organization has. This week, we are going to jump into part B of that conversation. We're actually going to hear a conversation between Dr. Lebanani and student Dr. Mize, Madam President of the SNMA. You're probably wondering, or I was at least very curious, what is it like to lead an enormous national organization as a fourth-year medical student? So in this, this episode today, you'll hear uh, Dr. Anani and Veronica discussing this. She talks about how she manages her time, how she balances her time. Remember, she's a fourth-year medical student. She's in the middle of interviews right now, and she is applying into obstetrics and gynecology. So if you are a program director or you know somebody at a program and you see her CV or application come across your desk, definitely um, extend an interview or whatever you can to help this young lady out. She will truly be a benefit and any program would be fortunate to have her. We'll jump into that later in the episode. Two things before we get there. Number one, the SDMA has a campaign going on. I want to make sure I say it correctly. It's 600 for the 60th. They're trying to raise $600,000 to support the organization. I've thought about it long and hard. I figured out the best way we can help as a podcast, the Black Daughters podcast, all about giving back and supporting the community. We are going to donate up to $600 towards this uh, program to the SNMA. Of course, there's going to be some strings attached. There's a catch to donate the money. We'll go up to $600 but we'll donate $5 for each review that we receive for the podcast. So it's super simple. It helps the show grow. It helps us. If you never left an ep- uh, uh, a review, um, what are you waiting for? And it helps, obviously, the SNMA. So we currently have 90 incredible reviews. Thank you all to you 90 people that have reviewed. I think only probably a half dozen of those are, are family members. But... Over the next uh, probably month and a half, so up until the end of the year, until uh, December 31st, I'll keep track of the number of reviews that we have on the podcast on iTunes. And, you know, for $5 for each review that we get over 90, you know, 90 and counting. I think you can probably see that too if you visit the link in the show notes or look us up on, on Apple. And this will, you know, go up to 600 bucks if we get there. Um, so... Thank you for listening to the show and, and hopefully, you know, this can help get you involved and you can donate kind of $5 out of our pockets and not yours, but you should donate too. That's number one. Number two, I thought, you know, what can I do to 
you know, provide some encouragement or something constructive before I hand the episode over to Dr. Anadi and uh, Madam President. So I came up with, you know, a, a book recommendation. Now, caveat, I initially studied music in undergrad. And after my freshman year, I switched into pre-physical therapy or, or pre-med courses. I decided to, you know, apply and try to get into medical school. And after my freshman year of college, I pretty much didn't read a book for for years. That would have been in about 2006. And the next time I really started to read for pleasure was probably like my first or second year in the Navy. So you're looking like 2018. It's almost like 10 or 12 years where I didn't really read for pleasure. So I'm fortunate that, you know, I've had time to get back into reading books. Reading's good. And I probably could have just recommended the book without the backstory. I have this kind of habit of oversharing. But anyways, I've overshared. So the the book I would recommend everybody read is Never Split the Difference. It's by Chris Voss. He is a former FBI agent and hostage negotiator. And this book is about negotiation. It's something that I use several times a month, at least, if not once a week. The book has so many different concepts and how do you negotiate, you know, if you're purchasing a car or specifically, you know, you're in the, the market for a new job or you're trying to negotiate different things or salary options at your current job. Super helpful, super relevant book. It has a lot of applicable tips and I use, I, I swear by it. So definitely read this. If you are, and when I say read, I also mean audiobooks. I, I just listen to books when I'm driving to and from work. So I'm not, I rarely ever like read paper books. The last actual physical book I read was The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. Uh, but I, I usually use audiobooks. Anyways, never split the difference. Fantastic reads. Got some cool stories in there. And I think it'll really help you no matter where you are in life, whether you're negotiating for your new job or whether you're in the middle of residency interviews or even just interpersonal skills, like how do you talk to people? I find that one of the toughest transitions is going from residency training, right? Medical school, residency training into be, being an attending. There's so many things that we do for free when we're in training and when we're in graduate medical education. And at least for a couple of years as an attending, that kind of mindset sticks around and you're doing all these things and you're not really thinking about the compensation that should now be coming along with these extra tasks, whether that's being the scheduler or working on hospital committees or the pharmacy and therapeutics rep, all these different jobs that we're so used to just pitching in and being a team player, right? Quote unquote. But now you're an attending, you should be getting paid for your time. So this book never split the difference. Uh, I don't, I mean, I should get like an affiliate link or something. I, I don't have one, but uh, I highly recommend this book. But enough of that, we're going to jump into the rest of the episode today. I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Love and Nani and Madam President, student Dr. Veronica Mize, the current president of the Student National Medical Association. As a, as a note, this should go without being said, but the views discussed in the episode are those of the guests and the, and the podcast, not necessarily those of our employers or the organizations that may be discussed in the episode. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Lebanani and Veronica Mize. 
All right. Welcome, everyone, back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Dr. Lovanani. I guess I will call myself a special guest host for the time. I am here with student Dr. Veronica Mize, who is the 60th president of the Student National Medical Association. Welcome, President Mize. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, hopefully, by now, most have listened uh, to our joint episode with your real, way more professional and slightly more handsome host, Dr. Stephen Bradley. But now you're going to be here with myself and student Dr. Mize as we dive into something that's not often dived into, the people behind the scenes. So we're here to talk about you, President Mize. Is that okay? Oh, yes, that's that's perfectly fine. So I think a lot of people are going to see you probably dressed to the nines, walking around at AMEC and clapping for all the great initiatives that you did this year. AMEC is the annual medical education conference. But taking people behind the scenes, let's just start at the ground floor. What school do you go to? Where are you currently studying medicine? Yes, I am a Georgia native. So I attend Mercy University School of Medicine, which is in Georgia, located in region for the culture. And fun fact, my regional director, Kendra Moore, is also a fourth year medical student at Mercy University School of Medicine. So region four, you have very strong leadership. <laughs> Excellent leadership into Mercy University. Thank you for sponsoring our students. Hopefully those pockets aren't hurting. <laughs> and I heard you say that you are currently a fourth year and everyone who's in medicine and works around medicine knows that fourth year, some big decision has to happen. What is that decision and what have you applied to? Yes, fourth year is an exciting time and I'm here to proudly announce and speak into existence that come March 15th, I will have a job as an obstetrician gynecologist. For all those driving right now listening, please send up your players, your amens and your hallelujahs. We will see Dr. Mize as an OBGYN. So I have to ask a question that everyone wants to know because I think if everyone could spend the money, they would dive into the minds of students. OBGYN seems to be the new hotness. Can you tell us why? What's going on there? Well, I I will speak about about my experience and what drove me to the specialty. I can't speak for, you know, everyone and especially all black individuals going into OB, but there is an, a, a wave that is quite noticeable. So for me coming in, it was always it was always OB Gyne. Since the third grade, I literally have a paper at home that I found of like career day aspiration. I don't know. And I have on there, I want to be an OBGYN. Couldn't even spell it, but I knew that's what I wanted to be. And I think for me, that desire was placed at a, a young age, obviously. So my mother is a nurse and she is a phenomenal nurse. I love good nurses. And I went to work with her a lot growing up and I got to see kind of like the inner workings of just the medical team, like who the players are, who are the stakeholders, like what's going on. And although I, I love nurses and I appreciate them, I noticed that there was a shift kind of in the in the atmosphere when the doctors came on the floor to round. And then as I grew up in in my you know, knowledge and just experience of medicine, understanding kind of the autonomy that comes with the role and specifically in, in women's health or the realm of OBGYN, the continuity of care is really what draw me, drew me to the field, as well as the diversity and the breadth of the specialty itself. You can be a clinician, you can also be a surgeon. I love that. And then I love being able to theoretically treat generations of women within the same family. That is the bread and butter for me. I love the day-to-day -day of OB. I love the zebras of OBGYN. So it's it's honestly the ideal specialty for me. I love that. And 
Will you be sending this this podcast episode to Mama Mize to listen to? <laughs> yes, I will. And she will be smiling the entire time. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And, you know, I, you can you don't have to say it out loud into the microphone. But, you know, I I'm going to say it for you. Something tells me that no matter how long you practice as an OBGYN, Mama Mize is, is still going to know more than you about medicine. She's she going to claim that and put that out there. <laughs> She, she made you the doctor that you are. Right. Well, I love that. So you dived into the daily aspect in like wanting to treat the day-to-day for women and the normal stuff all the way up to the zebras. As an OBGYN, I've always not, not I'm not one, as working with OBGYNs, I've always been interested in that slash, right? There's an OB side, there's a guy side or the GYN, we always spell it out. Is there one side that pulls you more than the other or do you have any stories about any sides yeah i feel like i may be of a a dying breed but i have a strong desire to be a generalist and for those listening what that means is i plan to be a OBGYN who does both the ob and the gyn i think it may be falling out of practice just a little bit to be a, a full generalist some people are strictly ob or hospitalist or strictly gyn or you know minor procedures major procedures but and understandably it's a very taxing commitment to be a generalist however I just don't see giving up either side. And I know I'm young. I got a couple decades in me. So I'm really going to take advantage of that and practice the full scope of OBGYN. I love it all. I love the deliveries. I actually don't mind getting that call at 3 a.m. to come to, you know, labor room seven and push with a patient. I don't mind being on my feet, you know, manipulating a uterus during a hysterectomy for two and a half hours straight. I don't, I don't mind those things. And so I really want to take advantage of that and learn as much as I can and see and experience as much as I can so I can impact the greatest number of patients. That is, that is amazing. Now, is that 3 a.m. even when you're at home or is that 3 a.m. call just when you're on call? Oh, I'm a student. I don't have the luxury of going home and taking call or resting in my bed. I'm at the hospital on the futon. I don't even get the resident bed. I get a futon, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Your resident hard bed with thin sheets are coming. Just you wait. <laughs> Just you wait. Now, right now, everyone's listening into this. They're like, okay, OBGYNs, we've had those on the podcast before. You know, I can go meet those. But there's not an oftentimes people get a chance to dive into the brain of the president of SNMA. So take us back. What made you even say, I'm going to submit an application to run for the president of the Student National Medical Association? Yeah. So I, I mean, Dr. Nani knows me on a personal level and I am a very much so planner type, like down to the millisecond. Okay. And so my decision to apply for president happened back in 2016. I kid you not. That sounds outrageous, but it did. As a first-gen student, a first-generation pre-medical student, actually, at a predominantly white institution, I was beyond lost my first day of school. I knew nothing about navigating the pre-med curriculum. I just knew I wanted to be a doctor, and I had to figure out how to get there. And we have what's called the BSB at Baylor, which is the science building, and I was there one night studying. And I literally saw a group of students walk in with, I mean, polos, black slacks, black pencil skirts, and they looked like me. And I was like, where are they going? So in, you know, true freshman fashion, I stalked them to their destination, and it ended up being a MAPS general meeting. 
And I was hooked from there. I saw people who looked like me who were honestly as lost as I was, but they had something I didn't. They had mentorship. They had upperclassmen in the org who were working with them on applications, telling them of their experiences, what classes to take, who to get to write letters, had guest speakers coming in who were physicians, and they were serving the community on top of that. So I knew that's where I needed to be. And that was my introduction to SNMA. And from that moment, I was like, okay, I'm committing to through this career journey, I'm going to serve with this organization. And as the years progress, I realize this service doesn't stop here for me. I think I have what it, I know I have what it takes to serve this organization in the highest capacity possible. What is it? That's national president. So I'm I'm going to do what I can to get there. Now, to my election cycle, I was I was a little bit of the underdog, you know, like I had the passion, I had the involvement, but I ran against a full slate of candidates. And that seldom happens for the position of national president. And what that means is that our position was so full that you could not even take floor nominations for the position my year. On top of that, every single person I ran against had previous experience as a board of directors member. I didn't. I'm just, you know, some girl from the deep south wanting to be national president. But I allowed my passion for the organization to be at the forefront. And I was very transparent through my whole application cycle and election cycle at AMEC. And I connected with the members. And I guess, you know, they saw themselves in me. And here I am. And each and every day and each and every time I have the platform, I do say that it is an honor, a distinct honor to serve our members and speak on behalf of them in this role. And so I do thank you to them, all the members who are listening. That's dope. Like, extra shout out to the members at, at Baylor. Thank you for being fashion forward enough that people sometimes think like, you know, when you wear a uniform and matched, it's corny. No, if y'all had walked into that building shoddily dressed, Veronica Miles <laughs> would have not followed you to your MAPS meeting and would not be the 60th president right now. So shout out to Baylor, uh, Dr. Pepper, Second Bears, and Robert Griffin III. <laughs> we appreciate all that y'all have to do and all that you brought to bring us our president now. And for those who are wondering if she's making that up, no. There are often spots to run from the floor. My first national position was from the floor. So to know that so many people were running for president, which if I'm correct, President Mize, president is a three-year commitment. Yes, three years. Is a three-year commitment. There were a lot of medical students running for that position. You have your national president-elect, then your president, then your immediate past president, three years. And so you were running, if you're president now in 2023... You were president-elect in 2022, which means you ran for president in 2021? Correct. I made the decision to... Well, hold on. Let me think. Give me yeah, that, I'm, right? I'm thinking that too. No, no, no. I ran at in 2022 because okay. I was a 30. And I, I specifically remember Dr. <laughs> asking me from the floor, you're going to be a four-year president. How are you going to manage that? And for those listening, what that means is... So my predecessor, and I believe her predecessor as well did like a, a MPH or did like something in between third and fourth year to make sense for this kind of increase in work that is the active presidential term, I decided not to do that. And so it was a little bit different, but it can be done for those who are like, oh, is this like a prerequisite? No, it isn't. You can do whatever your plan currently is in medicine. Do that. Don't make changes if you don't want to. But yeah, it's so I ran 2022 year and that was my elect year. 
this is my presidential year, 23 to 24, and then 24 to 25 will be my immediate past president year as a first-year intern. Shout out to President Emeritus Chevelle Franklin Ford Ellis. She was president when I ran for my position, and she is still one of the T4D homies. I know she's listening right now. Thank you, Dr. TFFE, for reaching out and making sure that our current president knew what she was getting into. Along those lines, as a fourth year, and we joked about the match and everything else, do you feel like you overburden yourself and overstress yourself? You know, right now we're in the trust tree, or do you feel it's the perfect amount of stress anyone can handle it? I feel that if anyone has the desire, coupled with the passion, to serve the organization as its national president and takes a, a real inventory of their life before and what their life is projected to look like baseline during their presidential year and is still committed to putting the work in, I feel anyone can do it. Now, the reality of that is I was president, or I am president, but I'm a, a anniversary president, which is a whole different ball game. On top of your baseline programming meetings, you know, contractual review agreements, like news station, on top of all of that stuff, you also are doing the same thing for an anniversary year, which is fundraising, marketing, you're kissing the babies, you're going to national uh, meetings for other medical organizations, getting the word out. There's there's a whole nother added level to it uh, to be an anniversary president. And I didn't know that coming in. I don't think it would have changed my desire to run for the position. I don't think it would have been useful just as far as time management goes, but I don't regret it. I do feel like at times during seasons like this one, where we're gearing up for our largest conference of the year, and it's an anniversary conference, you you are stretched thin, but that's something that as a leader in general, you have to take control of. You have to decide what days you're going to be on meetings from sunrise to well past sunset. You have to decide what days you're going to take for you because you can't serve anyone if you're not your best self. And as a representative of 10,000 plus members, you have to be your best self because whenever you talk, you're not talking just for yourself. Your voice is never just yours in this role. And so you have to make sure that you're sharp and prepared when you come to every single table. And in order to do that, you have to care for yourself. So I do feel stretched a little thin during this season, but I'm doing the work, you know, off camera and in the back end to make sure that in my personal life, I'm I'm making sure my cup is full. You know, mm. there's two things I definitely want to hit on, because I think these are the two things anyone listening to this podcast who wants to be president in the future, they need to take away from. Number one, you said take a personal inventory. And if that's too deep, let us know. You know, we can always have Dr. Bradley cut it out. What was the inventory <laughs> you took? Like, were you just calculating your credits that year? Were you like calling your family? Were you like, what was that inventory like? So, Dr. Anani, great question. As you know, the year this time last year, my MPE year, I was preparing to present my executive agenda to all of the past presidents, and I was preparing to present it to the entire board of directors at January NLI. And I was a month and a half out from getting married. So I was in the thick of a lot of things. And personal inventory for me looks like if I go down this road, I will be a third year running for this position. What does my fourth year look like? I'm applying for a relatively competitive specialty. 
Will I be able to get my letters in on time? Will I be able to, to dedicate the time I needed on my rotations to make a good impression so that I can get a residency? And like, this is how far down the line you have to think because at the end of the day, your goal is to be a physician, can be a student forever. I looked at my schedule to see of what would be expected of me as a president that I know of, where does that fit in my life? What days will I baseline know I will absolutely not be able to do anything at all? And is that congruent with the needs that I will need to address in this role? Most importantly for me, I'm getting married. What does that look like? There's a lot of things that go on at the end of the year in SNMA, and that's when I'm going to be kind of off the radar. What what does that space look like to be offline, you know, getting married and going on a honeymoon at a very, like at peak SNMA season? On top of that, how do I operate as a person? What what safeguards do I have in place or do I plan to put in place to make sure that I don't overcommit and overdo it as far as my my role? And what are my mentors? Who are my mentors? Who can I call at, you know, 11 o'clock at night and vent to or, or ask like, hey, when you were president, what did you what did you think about this? Like, what does my support system look like? That's the personal inventory that I took because I knew those were the things that were most important and most influential in the impact that I would have in this role and my ability to do my job. That is very, very sophisticated and mature or mature way to take that inventory. Shout out to the spouse and all spouses who hold up people that in forward facing roles. You're probably more important than the person you're holding up. So shout out to you. And the second question I wanted everyone to be able to dig into your mind to understand, you said, I make sure to fill my cup yet you said from sunup to sundown, SNMA can take up whole days. So what are some things you've done to fill up your cup? And how often do you get to fill said cup? Yeah. So I think planning is paramount. There are days where, like I said, I'm on meetings all day, but I try my best to to know when those days are. So I have certain requirements. I have a Calendly or it's basically like just a, a website that people can go in and request meetings. And on there, I have certain days that are blocked out where, hey, you, you can meet with the president, but it won't be this day because I'll be, you know, reading. I'll be walking outside, like feeling the sun on my skin. Like I'll be doing something else that's not SMA related. However, you also have to be flexible because today, for instance, is a Monday that was very monday in its nature regarding SNMA from sunup to sundown, I've been on meetings or, or putting out small fires, which is okay. But now on my end, it's my responsibility to see that, okay, because today was one of those days, what does the rest of my week look like? I also have a couple of interviews this week, which as we know, are all day things. So where do I carve out time for Veronica in that space? So really you have to plan, but you also have to remain flexible. And if you do those two things, your cup will never, never be dry. It may be a little low, but you'll always have time to, to replenish it. So what are those things that you do to replenish it? Are you on the new Spider-Man 2? Are you a wine connoisseur? Love is Blind Season 5? Tennis? Like, what is your thing? My thing is actually just rest in the truest sense of that that word. I come home on my days where I'm like, okay, it's going to be Veronica Day. I come home. I try not to have any meetings. I am a big unplugger. My TV probably will not come on unless it's like putting on a sermon from uh, Pastor Reginald Sharp Jr. 
I clean, I wash my dishes, I do my laundry, I make sure my space is one that is habitable and one that brings me peace. And then I get on my couch and I pick up a book. Currently, I'm reading The Parable of the Solar by Octavia Butler. I will do a word search. I'm telling you guys, I'm like an 84 year old woman, but that's what that's what works for me. I really like to just have a moment of solitude. And for me, I think that that's super beneficial because I serve in a capacity where in that role, there is no solitude. And so to carve that time out for myself, that that means a lot to me. So that's what my refilling looks like. And, you know, I may pick up the phone and call a line sister and a kiki every now and then, but that's that's what my days look like. (laughs) I will now allow time for any signal or shout out to any sorority that you would like at this moment. Um, to the devastating divas of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. I give you all of my love. I shout you out specifically, Row Ada Spring 19. Much love from your tray. And fun fact, if you go through the list of past national presidents, a lot of them are women of Delta because Deltas do. And we love being serviced, being of service to the SNMA. I'm now going to allow a pause for all those listening to do any call and response that you would like in your car or vehicle. (laughs) All right. Now that that's done, that is a big joke amongst those in this portion of the SNMA in these years that the presidents are deltas and the chairs tend to be AKAs. I didn't make it up. I just know the rumors and that's the way it goes. But that's lovely. But we're focusing on you. And that's also a part of what makes you you. So thank you for sharing that all with us. Now, I would like to know if a patient or a residency that you applied to got a hold of this podcast before you sat in that chair or sat in front of them, what's something they would want to know about you outside of your amazing reading choices and your connection with your pastor? I think they would like to know, honestly, they would like to know this. I feel like that that may be a little bit of a cop-out answer, but so far on this interview trail, people are hungry to know about the SMA and they're hungry to know what it's like to be the national president of the SNMA. And I, I knew I would get maybe a question or two, but the level of interest in what I do in this role is insane. And I mean, I guess, you know, rightfully so it's a, it's a big deal, but I mean, you know, for me, this is what we do every day. And it's great because it gives me a way to talk about what I love. But that is what I have found people are very interested in. What does that look like? And how in the world are you doing that as a student on top of all the other things that's on your resume? So that that is honestly what has been kind of the forefront of all the questions I've gotten outside of the generic, you know, why this specialty? What do you like to do in your downtime? (laughs) And that that's that's really it. Yeah. They love hearing about the SMA and specifically this role and how I juggle it all. As someone who has to review applications, not for residency, because I'm not that fancy, uh, but for other things, my wife does the residency reviews. Those are the things that I hear stand out, right? Like every resident wants to latch on to something. And whenever reviewers of applications see something that makes them go, huh, we want to talk with that person. And when you see national president, you go, huh? And you think this, you guys listening in the car can't see this. But on my phone, one of the questions I have in there are why president and are you crazy? Because anyone (laughs) who would run for a national office as president for this organization, which is the largest, I think we heard you say 10,000 members, 10,000 members, the organization that sells out its exhibit hall every year before students even fully register. 
these institutions know about this association. And so they want to know who's running it and how. So to ask you the question in our last five to seven minutes, are you crazy? Like, how did how did you do this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fair to say that I may dabble in a little craziness from from every now and then. But it is a tall order. And coming in, I knew that. But as you said, we still had exhibit halls like that. Our our hotel blocks are filled like beyond 50% right now, and it's November for this conference. But what that tells me is that we're doing something right. And we are consistently getting it right. And that's something I can be a part of. That's something that I I can go, you know, maybe a night or two with less than eight hours of sleep, knowing I'm gonna get it back, you know, later on. But I can make these concessions to an organization who's done it right and is committed to doing it right. And I I can personally say that I'm a product of this or getting it right because me being here today is a product of back in 2016 being introduced to the, an org that has consistently met and exceeded my expectations, birthing the leader that is before you today, because that's where the passion came from to serve in this role in general. And so it, it does sound crazy, but for me, because it's a personal connection more than it is just an office. And for me, I, I do consider it a true privilege to serve in this role. It's never like, okay, let me check this off. Oh, here we go with this meeting. No, like here's another opportunity to continue getting it right. Here's another opportunity to, to make it right if it isn't for the president who comes behind me. Here's an opportunity to further the legacy so that we're here for another 60 years. And when you attack things with that mindset or approach things with that mindset, it's it's all easier to to digest and to execute. So amazing, y'all. This is our president. All right. I know podcasts can't go forever, even though we can talk forever. I have two more questions that I think are going to be a little fun and hopefully a little introspective. So I'll start with the fun one. Obviously, everything at the 60th Annual Medical Education Conference in New Orleans this March Easter weekend as the 60th president will be your favorite AMEC. But outside of that one, can you give us a past AMEC that was either your favorite or a event or something that happened at a past AMEC that has just left an indefinable, I probably said that word wrong, so y'all don't sue me, memory in your brain, like it's just latched in there? Yes. So my first AMEC was San Francisco. And the only reason it was my first is because Baylor Maps, they do not play like in order to get to AMEC to even like, I mean, they don't really, anyway. Yeah. So you had to apply to represent like Baylor Maps at AMEC and get like some type of stipend to help offset costs. As a freshman, you were automatically kicked out. So that I had to sit out the first year. That was fine. You know, still a little salty about that. But as a sophomore, I was like, okay, this, this is my time. I'm going. And to be there. And I, I worked so hard. Like they take into account your service hours with the, the organization, all of these things. I worked so hard to get my golden ticket, you know, to get my little $200 to go to AMEC to cover my like registration. I got it and I went and it was amazing. Like I'd heard the stories, but your first AMEC, I feel like is always unforgettable because you're like, whoa, like students put this together. Like I can go to this exhibit hall for people who want to see me, who want me to come to their medical school or want me to be their resident. I felt so valued at my first AMEC. And obviously that has been the standard ever since, but that first one, it it will just always be a memory of mine. And I, I remember seeing people that 
you know, I either knew from back home at AMEC or that I had been on a, a MAPS call with like in person, like the fellowship and then seeing so many people that looked like me, honestly, like coming from a PWI that that really rocked my world. And I was like, wow, like I can do this. Like there are fourth years here. There are third years here in college and in medical school. I can get there. If they can do it, I can do it. So my first AMEC, it will always go down as history. It's kind of like the best one, obviously maybe second runner up after you do this one, but yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I am honored to know that we were in the same building at the same time and didn't even know it. That that AMEC in San Francisco was a great one. We don't get out to the West Coast often. Dr. Bradley was there too. It It was a good one. Now, here is a time for introspection because you're not getting those hours of sleep you were just talking about during residency. Sorry, did not mean to bust that bubble. So when you're waiting for that woman who is, you know, pushing or about to push or is only four centimeters dilated, but you're afraid it's going to go quick. So you're staying up late and you decide to re-listen to this podcast. What is something you want fourth year, 60th national president, Veronica Mize, to speak into life, into intern year. Lord, how many more nights do I have on labor and delivery, Veronica Mize? I love that question. I would tell my future self when she listens to this, that you are doing the best you can. You are exactly where you need to be. You're living your prayers And you are the doctor that this patient needs. Rest in that. Your time will come to get your sleep. But right now, you're serving a purpose that you have worked so hard and so long for that you should rejoice in that. And then I would also tell myself that if you can serve as national president during the 60th anniversary of the Student National Medical Association, you can you can get through this this shift. You can get through this delivery. You can get through this block of nights. You can get through this block of gyne onk. Like this too shall pass. You're where you need to be, serving who you need to serve, and you'll be all right. That's that's what I would tell her. Future Dr. Mize, I hope that spoke something into you. And current pseudo Dr. Mize is out there right now listening to this. I hope you are sitting up in your call room a little bit straighter. Even if you weren't the 60th national president of the SNMA, you know everything else that the president just said rings true for you. You can handle this. So thank you again, student doctor, aka future Dr. Mize. I am looking forward to the 60th annual medical education conference in New Orleans, March 28th through the 31st, Easter weekend, March 2024, in New Orleans again. And I hope and I am praying that this AMEC knocks off my biggest AMEC memory, Chicago 05, I believe, for three words, Hard Rock Cafe. Well, I love that. Thank you, Dr. Anani, for having me. And to the members who are listening or alum, when you see me at AMEC, please stop me. Please say, hey, like, please do not be a stranger. That really energizes me to be face-to-face with everyone and to to see everybody hear the stories and all that. So please say, hey, pull me away. Like, let's talk. We will say, hey, thank you again to Dr. Stephen Bradley and the listeners of the Black Doctors Podcast for allowing us to take this space and this time. We hope to see you in AMEC. Man, I might have lost my job. (laughs) Let me get his microphone back, brother. when, When the person you're talking to it's so live. Like, like it's, it's funny to know that I've heard this before, that some of the most 
I know you probably hate this word as a woman and a woman below six foot bubbly people like I've ever really heard like some of the most bubbly people I know when you ask them what do you do on your downtime for fun I read a book on my couch like what yeah <laughs> I gotta get my life together clearly that was my takeaway <laughs> Right. My takeaway. I gotta get my life together. Number two, now I gotta host. I got the, the divine eight. I gotta give the rest of them time for for a shout out. Seven. Thank I, you. I, I shout out the AKAs. I just couldn't do the whole intro okay. because they came for me, but I gave them a shout out. Thanks for tuning into the Black Doctors Podcast. We're here because representation matters.